This is Comic Picks by The Glick. Yeah, I'm your host, Jason Glick. Hey, Jason Glick. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing just fine, John, and yourself? Uh, not too bad. What do you have on tap for us tonight? Well, t- tonight is a return to that endless well of content that is Star Wars. But, you know, it's not just like your regular Star Wars. It is like weird offshoot, um, like vestigial branch Star Wars, in the sense that not only is this like, you know, from the comics, but it's also a spinoff of the comics as well. Because I'm here to talk about, um, like, Dr. Aphra, the series spun off from Curon Guilin's um, run on Darth Vader. It's, like, featuring the creator and, and a few other characters he, that he also created for the series as well. So, just in case you're not familiar with the character, she, like, she debuted in the third issue of his, of his run in a very, very um, lightly, thinly veiled take um, on, on the um, introductory scene from Indiana Jones or for Raiders of the Lost Ark. So it's like, cause basically that's, that's kind of, that's kind of like um, Afer's gimmick at, at its very core. She's essentially like Star Wars answer to um, like to Indiana Jones. And you know, it's like, that's, that's honestly like a really great idea. I mean, adventurous space archaeologist in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> hey, that sounds great. It's like, it's like, and from, and um. And um, Guylan just did a good job of uh, of making her Darth Darth Vader's um, semi unwilling partner in crime, in the sense that you know she was kind of she was kind of press ganged into like working with him, but she did have like some fun like digging up stuff and just running rampant across the galaxy, it's like along the way. And she also made made some quote unquote friends with um, psych- psychotic murder droids, Triple um, Zero and BT. The uh, it's like the evil doppelganger versions of C three PO and R two, and also Black Crescenton. It's like like Chewbacca's like evil mirror universe c- counterpart. Yes, um, Galen was big on like doing mirror images for these char- for the characters, certain characters in his Darth Vader run. But you know, it's like the it's like yes, until they had legs beyond these con- concepts, and you know they still work pretty well like as is. So at the end of um, Darth Darth Vader. Um, Vader um, basically um, spaced Aphra out out of an airlock after she um, tr- she tried to um, betray him to the Emperor, but the Emperor just wound up being impressed by by Vader's duplicity. <laughs> Let's go fig. So so, but um, in doing so, like Vader basically figured that that she was dead when Aphra still had like a it's like an o- it's like some kind of oxygen device. If you it's I don't know what what the term for these things is. It's basically what what Han, Leia, and Chewbacca were wearing when they're investigating the the uh that cave in the empire strikes back so she had one of those and was able to survive um for a little while in it's like it's like in in the vacuum of space so that's and that's where we begin the uh it's like, it's like the, um the first couple volumes of of dr afra as uh she's basically been given a, been, a, been given a clean slate um it's like you know, like Vader doesn't know Vader doesn't know she's still alive, and she's got basically got all the freedom she she can she can want to run across the galaxy. And her first her first stop, well, is decided for her when um her dad, um Corin Afra, um co- comes calling, and he is a uh, it's like he like he's a big pie in the sky, um like dreamer type archaeologist, and he's found like the proper leverage, um by by uh. But by mentioning you get um, Aphra's uh, doctorate um, revoked, like, and um, it's like by by point by uh, revealing some uh, slightly untrustworthy uh, 
like evidence she uncovered regarding some it's like some very dangerous um, parasites called Berzian symbiotes. So basically, it's like he's got to help her. She's got to help him like find the uh, the lost temple, of the um, Ordu Aspectu, which is either like a uh, like a like an old Jedi order that was mercilessly wiped out by the Sith, or an evil dark dark side sect that was um, purged by purged by the Jedi. The, the, re- the results of that are kind of are kind of unclear. So eventually, this eventually leads to a forgetting your hands on a crystal that houses the, uh, it's like, it's like the uh, quote unquote ghost of an old Jedi master that also has um, technopathy, the ability to control machines. This is kind of the uh, this is the storyline that drives like Guylan's first year of of Aphra, which which he like he wrote like he like he wrote the first thirteen thirteen issues. It's like, and it's all about just you know sitting Aphra on this big. It's this big, this big wild adventure, and also crossing over with um, the regular Star Wars crew as a result in the pages of the the uh, Screaming Citadel um, storyline. For the record, if you're reading this at home, vo- the order goes Volume One, um, then Screaming Citadel, then Volume Two, um, which has the great title Doctor Aphra and the Enormous Prophet, which is basically all about Aphra trying to sell this crystal to the highest bidder. And how things go predictably wrong, not just um, from the uh, like like from the problem of like having a uh, like a Jedi like a Jedi spirit encased inside a crystal that can mess with machines, but also from the fact that Triple Zero and and BT by extension, well, you know they've enjoyed their time with Aphra. It's like, but at the same time though, like she hasn't been letting them murder enough people, like for for a little while now. So basically, it's like. You know they've got to figure out now what can we do? What can we do to um, get to, like to get out from under her thumb? Oh wait, we know someone who'd be who'd love to see her dead. Someone tall, dark, and very asthmatic. So yeah, um, for like this first year of Afra is great fun. It's like just because like um Gillen's a great writer and Afra plays right into his his fun adventure, it's like adventure sensibilities. Yeah, you know, it's like there's some there's some like. There's some dark parts, but it's at the same. But at the same time, though, it's like it's not something you want to think too hard about. You know, it's like, yeah, she's she's selling people out. People are dying because of what she what she's done. But hey, you know, it's like like they're not exactly some. Well, not all of them are are bad people, but still, it's like you know, most of them have it. Most of them have it coming. And the one line, the one 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 liners are so are so delicious. And she's likable enough that you want to see her succeed. Well. Here's the thing, because you know that whole like that whole like fun-loving like um, rogue, rogue ethically challenged archaeologist um, archetype that the guy has set up for for the character. Well, it's like you know I think that you you could like you could have gotten like you know some more volumes about just just reiterating that you know that that kind of that kind of thing. You know, just send send Afer off to another it's like on another wild goose chase and. Um, like and just like finding finding another find another artifact and just like oh having things go wrong when she gets her hands on it you know it's a solid formula. Problem is that the uh, person who uh, to Galen uh, um, I I can't remember if he actually like, got him chose him to succeed or he just really agreed with it. But um, the person that that wanted to take working with work with Galen on the next arc and then taking over the series whole was Simon Spurrier. Spurrier. It's like it's a guy I have lots of time for in the sense that whenever he tackles something, um, he'll always try to find some interesting 
um, spin on it. Whether it's Crossed, whether it's X-Force, whether it's um, Professor X's Sun Legion. It's like, or 70s, um, like, um, Killer Shark Monk, Killer Shark um, com- comic book from, like, um, from British comics, like in Hookjaw. So, yeah, it's like, Keith Spurrier is all about finding new ways to look at things and, like, just, just like digging into their dark underbellies to, um, to like, to like to, to look at the tr- like the truth that no one really wants wants to think about. Like you know that kid that the idea that hey you know Cable may just be a gun toting maniac after all, or the fact that you know hey Legion wasn't really was a is a character who wasn't really meant to work in the uh, it's like in the Marvel universe. So he's going to erase his existence, and there there we go. Well, I have a f- I want I'd love to know if whenever if before. Um, guy, um, Spurrier got the job on Afra. That someone at Marvel, like Disney, told him, "Okay, we're sure you're going to do a great job with this, Simon. But hey, when you're done, it's like, like Afra still has to be able to work. Okay, you can't break her like you did, like you tried to do with Cable, and like you did do with um, Legion. Okay. Well, short version, like it. Judging by the way things went, Spurrier agreed, but. It, but he went in some really interesting directions before that happened. I'm um, starting with um, remastered, which I mentioned in my review suffers from the sin of trying to do a whole lot because it's like not only does it um, re- reintroduce um, like um, Lieutenant Tolvan, the uh, Imperial officer from the first volume, who um, Afer wound up screwing over, but now, well, she's back and she's like hot, hot on Afer's trail, like like in both senses of the word. It's like, and also, they, she's, they've got, um, like, they they got Afra. It's like under Triple um, Zero's thumb because now um, he's um, calling the shots and I'm um, telling her what to do. But aside from that, you've also got lots, it's like, it's like lots, lots of art, lots more archaeological digs. It's like a, a giant, it's like a giant rebel rebel training ground set inside a uh, like a clone. Like a Clone Wars, um, ba- it's like battle cruiser, an Imperial um, Im- info depot so dense it has its own gravitational pull, in all sorts of um, weird ass characters like, like Justice crazed law lawman Tam Pulsa. It's like, and it's like there's a lot there's a lot going on here, and it's probably it's probably because this is the one volume where where Guylan and Spurrier were, were credited together as as co writers. So they're prob- probably all trying. There's probably a game of one-upsmanship one, one here going on. They're trying to figure out who can like, like, d- deliver the cra- like craziest plot point and or character, and how the other writer can just try and find a way to make them work. It it does like everything does come together in the end, but like as um, Afra is sent off to jail for the next arc. So so then, you, but that's when um thing, that's when things start to get dark. Well. They did start to get dark in remastered volume, volume three because because like uh, Triple Zero has Afer doing all these dirty underhanded things, all to make her realize that hey, you know, it's like you and you and me, we're like we're not so different, you and I. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. It's like and well, that continues in the Catastrophe Con, which has Afer in um, a Crusker jail, an Imperial um, brig where um, made up of a lot. Several different ships have been like cram- crammed together using a gra- gravity rig. So hey, you know what better way to harvest a uh, like a lost uh, like a destroyed spaceship by just cr- slamming it into the uh, existing ones and just letting the prisoners um, root out all the junk for 
like for them. Well, Afrop wasn't planning on stay, staying um, like too long for this, but well, circumstances intervened, and well, it's like she finds herself um, like dealing with a yeah. uh, like like a unlucky, an unlucky shapeshifter who's also found himself in this place, and she believes that maybe he maybe he's her her way out of here, but at the same time, um, she's also got. She's also found a way to get, um, like, Tolvan here as well by telling her about uh, Afra's, about um, the secret plan she uncovered in, it's like, it's like in the original Darth Vader series that Vader has been trying to repl- replace the Emperor with himself and his son Luke Skywalker. Well, now, because c- now thing thing is though that in like at this prison they've got one of those um, mind reading um, tentacle monsters that we saw in. In, in Rogue One, like Bor Ephraim, which which can you know read your, read your mind and get you to, it's like and, and even like edit your memories. Pay attention because that'll be important in re- real real soon. So while well, Afra's having to um dodge the em- em- dodge the Empire, it's like as they're trying to like, interrogate her mind while this is going on. Well, the rebels are also really pissed at her because like she sent them, like she stole some encrypted data. Data, she stole some data for them, but encrypted it um, in order to get them to pay up for it. And one of their generals, it's like um, wants, it's like wants them to, it's like um, it like wants um, Afra to, and so they can like try and find get her to um, un- unlock this stuff, you know, without having to pay for it. So said general winds up having having to contact a uh, top grade su- smuggler who has some history with Afra. That'll be um Sana. Sanastaros from the, who's most seen, who's most, most seen often in the regular Star Wars series. Now, the thing is though that Afra and and Sana have been hit, were seriously hinted at having a, a um, romantic past. It's like like in the pages of both like of of Star Wars. Oh, and and also turns out that that Afra and Tolvan are also kind of an item as well. So when um, Toll then shows up to rescue Afra and winds up having to go face to face with um, with um, Sana, oh boy, it's not pretty. It's not pr- not pretty at all. And um, in fact, like like Afra like winds up having to do some really it's like underhanded stuff here. Especially like I mean, yeah, it's, she has to do it in order to save um, do it to save Tolvan and her own skin. But man. What winds up happening to Tolvan is is dark, and I'm not don't just mean by Star Wars standards. I mean this is wow. And then when you real when you get to the um, final pages of the, of the volume, you realize that oh wow, we've been had here because it turns out that that a, a certain a certain uh, minor character from the original Star Wars, well, he's he's part of the storyline as well. It's like, and it turns out he's got some interesting ideas about you know how to uh, like how to deal with um, it's like it's like how how to deal with how, how, what 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 is the nature of evil and all. It's like, or you know, hey, why don't I just you know put put bombs in in Afra and Triple Zero's heads? It's like just to see it's like you know if they can work together long enough to um, get them to get them defused before they kill each other, or you know before Triple Zero kills Afra. So. It's like and that's where the that's where the volume ends. I mean, catastrophe catastrophe con is good, but man, it's easily the darkest volume. It's like of the series, and probably one of the darkest things I've read in Star Wars. Period. 
things do get get lighter in um, following volume, Worst Among Equals, where we first were introduced to a couple of um, bounty hunters, um, Winloss and Nock, who are being re- who are being recruited by Afra to um, like to uh, take down this monster. It's like in a very specific fashion. One um, Winloss is a human. Nock is a Transdotian. They're in love, like in the kind of like um, bickering Bickersons, like it's like um way that lots of lots of couples are and you know it's like they're they're appealing in their own it's like in on their own terms but the uh the the the, uh, the annual they're they're featured in is included first for worst among equals because they wind up be playing a, a key part in this it's like in this storyline because they're because like with um as a friend triple zero well she met Big surprise! She managed to convince Triple Zero not to kill her before, like because because if he did, the bombs would go off. But then they find one um, being chased to uh, this planet, um, Milvane, like what is place planet that is hailed as one of the as an ideal um, imperial utopia. In the sense that hey, if you let the Empire into your planet, this is the place you can have. It's a glorious place of like of utopic fascism where everyone. Everyone rats on everyone. It's like an order is maintained at the cost of like um, knowing that your neighbor is going to be um, chucked down into the into the undercity at like late at night, or maybe just or maybe just shot in the face for the hell of it. So yeah, it's like this is the place that A friend Triple Zero like are stuck in, and it's like and the vo- and the volume is just is mostly like it's one big chase scene for the most part as they try to get from one end of the city to the other. It's like and it's. Yeah, it's a pretty good. It's a pretty good storyline based like on based on those virtues. I mean, Spurrier may not have like um, Yellen's exemplary wit, but he's still a very funny, very f- funny writer when he can be. And his sense of sense of humor is just is just strange enough to be like to be endearing by my terms. But the interesting thing about Worst Among Equals, and this carries over into the next volume, is that Spurrier also wants seems to want to interrogate the idea of. It's like of like you know how does the empire actually work in the sense that you know hey what what is life on an imperial planet like you know when it's not being like you know bombarded by by the imperials or trying to be liberated by the rebels you know it's like what is what is imperial life like and just you know how has the empire managed to sustain itself it's like like when it's not just being a evil like an evil world world conquering like machine I mean it is an evil world conquering machine. Like that's all about the um, jackboot, but you know, he's but Spurrier has some ideas about how the how how the empire could actually function function like as a as an actual as an actual empire, you know, without um without being like you know resorting to being like wholly evil. It's like twenty four seven, but he but but also he's got he's still um hitting the idea about about Afra, you know, just being, not being a very good person. I mean, we saw that, a lot of that in the previous volume. And here, you know, she's stuck with a murder droid trying to, um, it's like, try, like trying to save her own skin as she's, as they're trying to get across the city. So it's, but at the same time, she winds up meeting this um, orphan girl with a giant um, caber worm. It's like that may have the chance to uh, get them across. And, uh, you know, it's like, well, it's like Afra's um, personality winds up running, rubbing off a bit too well on on this girl Vulanda. It's like at at certain points, all all up until the very end when, well, let's just say that if the series is going to end the at the end of this volume, it's like 
I guess, you know, it would have been an all right ending, but it would have been really, really disappointing because, hey, you know, letting your main character get shot and um, left to bleed out in the streets, eh, you know, it's like, yeah, you probably assume, assume that's not going to, like, that she'll be fine at some point. And, you know, the fact that the volume completely brushes off this, this finale, it's like, you know, it's to be expected. So, but in the end, it's like, it's like seeing uh, Afra and Triple Zero like constantly debate, you know, who like their like who's got the uh, moral high ground here. And even then, when she's when she tries, she double crosses Triple Zero in order to hopefully save her skin. She uh, ultimately has to double back on that to save her skin again. So, so it's so it's actually kind of interesting to see them finally reach an accord. It's like at the end of the. It's like at the end of the volume, after um, Aphra has given given Triple Zero back his memories, and um, and Triple Zero, it's like eventually finds himself, you know, re- reaching something resembling compassion for his, like for his for- former master. It's like it's yeah, you know, it's kind of it's it's a, it's interesting and it's appealing. So, so yeah, it's like it's like another solid volume right here. Then you get the, the one the one after that. That is has the weirdest title of the uh or most on the nose title of of the run that'd be unspeakable rebel super weapon basically um afra's back in business with volanda as her as her ward and they're looking through for 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 ruins and stuff out in the outer rim and while one like one uh person is probably to pay them two hundred thousand credits they can get this um mysterious sash back well they figure hey no problem but then, while they're looking for that, that in the same, in the same, um, ruin, they find this weapon called, called the Far Killer, um, wielded by Oob the Apostate. It's like a Jedi, it's like a Jedi who felt a Jedi from ancient times who felt that the Council wasn't being too, wasn't being proactive enough in emer- in taking out emergent warlords and took his, and took matters into his own hands. He made he basically made a sniper rifle out of a lightsaber. And used it to um, like like smoke guys from a galaxy away. So this is something that her dad had um, had been looking for for a while as well. But it's not. But while Afer's dad has a small role here, like this volume is more concerned about um, her mother and all those um, aphorisms she uh, implanted in her in her daughter's mind, such as like evil is only a measure. It's like of how much your choices take away from someone else's. It's like, and well, you know, it sound it seems as if it the series is going to like paint. Um, it's like you know, like Afer's dad is just being you know the expected, like, like disaffected, uninterested parent. Well, it's like it also doesn't. It's also not, not fully on board with how her mother, like, treated Afer as well. Because in the end, yeah, yeah, she took her, like, daddy wasn't paying attention to either of them, so mother took took Afer away to try and like give her some own perspective. But she wound up just being. Just, just uh, like, like, take, taking Afra, like, and isolating her from the rest of the galaxy on some, it's like on on some hick like um like frontier planet, only for for a bunch of raiders to come and take them out. Well, fortunately, like you know, like the the Empire showed up and took out those raiders. Good for them because Unspeakable Rebel Superwoman has the other half of how how superior of superior's um, thoughts on how the empire like works in the sense that, well, it's like good public relations. That's what they're all about. 
they're all about just you know it's like just um it's like you know save like saving um people saving planets from it's like from the uh like from the terrors of from the terrors of the galaxy you know even if they have to manufacture a couple it's like or and also just you know like like pointing out like the uh, the existing happiness of worlds like Milvane, you know, before it was completely destabilized by Afra and her antics. It's like, and also just sitting a tear for the other worlds that were, it's like that, um, that run where lawlessness runs rampant that while they're not under Imperial rule. So that's, that's kind of like their thing. And it's like, it's, you know, it's kind of, I have to admit, it's kind of interesting. And the mouthpiece that Spurrier has chosen to voice this through minister Voor, she's a pretty interesting character in the sense that she's all about, um, so, you know, just finding finding ways to um, promote the empire empire stability. It's like that don't involve um, don't involve the overt jackboot. But the funniest part is that well, she's got major issues with how um, Palpatine and Vader run things because like Palpatine just you know not concerning himself with the rule of law and all. It's like and just like initiating pogroms to kill whoever whoever gets get uh, gets on his bad side and also just sending Vader out to just murder it's like um whatever problems like popped in their way. Well she's just she's just repeating that they are ruining everything. Oh, and the fact that, you know, the Emperor's just just not sufficiently lovable enough to be a ruler of a gal- giant galaxy. She said that but hey, you know, like I want him to go out and kiss some babies, but I would fear for the baby's life if he did. So She's basically rope, winds up roping up Afra into a very complex plan to, um, like, to take take Palpatine out. But as we all all know from the movies, this plan doesn't work, and the reasons for that, well, they're pretty they're pretty good. It's like, even though it's like this is probably it's one results in probably the the talkiest climax of this. It's like of of the series in a sense as Afra. Um, it's like and and Vur, um dish out dueling plans for, like for how how they think, for how they how they believe things are going to go down. It's it's almost not quite quite not quite the same as like the uh, Iocane powder duel bit from Princess Bride. So, but oh, and I was also also worth mentioning. I guess I should have mentioned up to this point that Afra generally has really strong art, like throughout throughout the majority of its run, either from like um Kev Walker in volumes one it's like one, three and five, it's like or from Emilio Liso in volumes um oh um th- let's see uh three it's like three and six. Uh volume five volume six on Speaker Rebel Superweapon is where that breaks down because these five issues have five have four different artists. And you know it's like you get the feeling that uh that Marvel was just like throwing artists like at the series in order for it to beat its deadlines. <coughs> and while so, and while I think that any of these uh, artists, um, Wilton Santos, Casper Weingard, Andrea Bocardo, and Chris Bolson could have done a good job on their own. It's like, it is kind of disappointing that, you know, it's like the series, we, this volume is like a very big mishmash of styles, but still I think that the overall writing is strong enough to prop it up. Oh, but the best part, or I guess another best part of this volume, is that well, it's like it also brings um, Darth Vader back into the picture one, once again. Vader's been kind of an like a semi 
an irregular presence in the series in the sense that he's that that you know he's out there he has history with Afra and you know eventually they're going to settle things because well after triple zero um let Vader in on the Afra's existence well she uh it's like well she managed to get out of that you know at the end of the uh catastrophe con through huh, really bad means but then you know when um she's wrapped up in this um assassination assassination plot to, uh to uh take out the emperor well it was only inevitable that vader comes back into Aphra's life one last time for now that's where we begin with volume with volume seven rogue's end this is the final this is um, Spurrier's final volume for for the series and the last in the current run of Dr. Aphra. It's like it's, it collects the four issues, um, the final four issues of the regular se- main, the main series, the second annual and the epilogue from star Wars empire ascendant. The, uh, basically it's like, it starts off with Aphra on um, being stuck on the, uh, on the executor as with, uh, it's like as part of the empire's, um, like, um, survey detail for Project Swarm, which is basically all the uh, probe droids they launched that to um, find the um, find the um, rebels hid, like hidden base like at, you know, at the start of um, Empire Strikes Back. Um, problem is that, you know, Executor, that's Vader's ship. Vader's on board, but apparently it's like like the Empire, the Emperor was grateful enough for Afer's role in foiling the assassination um, plot that he basically, that we're left to assume that he told Vader, don't kill her. It's like, doesn't mean Vader can't toss her around if he, if she pisses him off. But Aphra realizes that she's only, that, that her, her life is like, is basically just, you know, one bad day away from, it's like, like from being snuffed out. If like a Vader, if Vader so like, so feels like it. So she's got to find a way to, to, to use this project for her, to her advantage. Which becomes a lot harder when her first um, field field trip, or first um, away expedition, uh, like to a planet they they think might be hiding um, rebel, um, like um, the rebel base. Well, turns out her dad was camping there. Well, so now you've got uh, Afra, her dad, and Vader all in one ship. Fun times to be had, indeed. And oh, and also. Toll then comes back into the mix as well as it's like as uh, you know it's like it's like Spurrier's like bringing together all the threads for this final for this final volume and in the end it's like he finally it's like he finally has Afra just kind of realize what she has to do in order to become a become a good person so let's just say that it's unlo- it it's certainly possible that we'll be seeing the supporting cast again but it's but I think what he what he does here is like you know, like is a good case for, for showing us that that Afra has changed. Like, I like the arc that he's taken Afra on, just interrogating her. It's like like her selfish like her selfish tendencies, and eventually having her come out the other end. It's like as a better person, willing to it's like willing to sacrifice and stand up for things that in order to sa- save her friends and what she believes in. I it's like I really appreciated that. It's like even though it's like well. The way he has her has her do it here, I kind of it's something that. Well, I imagine I would I would love to have heard the 
conversation he must have had with, with Lucasfilm in order to um, to have what happens in this arc happen. I realize I'm being deliberately vague here, but yeah, you should. But I think it's worth preserving because, um, on one hand, it's like I'm not sure that this character like really needs this to happen to them, but at the same time, it's like I think that Afra is kind of kind of earns what happened here. It's like she, she needed she needed this she needed to do this because of the ongoing because of the, like the ongoing threat that had been going that had been hounding her for like for the entirety of her run. And so I think that ultimately it's like, it was worth it. Even if, um, it's like, yeah. Okay. Maybe that's I, I, okay. It's just, I have, I have issues with just, you know, like, like seeing this, seeing this character, like almost like completely have having their butt handed to them. So there you go. You can probably, you can probably the clever amongst you will figure out what I'm really talking about here. But ultimately I think that the, uh, that it's a good, solid final final arc for Afra. It does a good job of bringing together what um, Spurrier was doing with the character, like in the series. Underlining that is the uh, it's like is the uh, um, annual, which um, brings back um, Winloss and Knock, and and also Black Chrysanthemum in a bit role. It's like as um some it's like as they're as they're um, on Tatooine trying to track down. Like a very bad transcendotion from, like from from Knox past, and um, ter- and well, it turns out that the uh, the bartender there is all is um all too willing to uh, it isn't really willing to help them out, but he is willing to take um Winloss's credits to um to um guard this uh, thing that he found in the desert. <clears throat> thing is, like like said. Said bartender also has some some history with Afra as well as in double crossing her to leave her leave her dead out, out dead out in the desert somewhere. So it's like so when, so um while Winloss and Knock are out trying to trying to get their revenge, um, in walks Black Crescenton who who um basically um sets the plot further in motion when he reveals that hey you know it's like this thing that um it's like that um. Winloss is left with the bartender. Well, this is like a hut delicacy, and I'll buy it off you. Hmm. Well, you can probably guess where things are going from there. But this is a, but it's still a pretty, pretty cleverly construct, constructed caper story that um, that I generally enjoyed, even though it does ultimately hinge on the on you accepting that the bartender is dumber than a sack of hammers. It's like when it comes to the final final act, because anyone with half a brain should have realized the time to get out of Jabba's palace, you know, would have been when he saw, like, it's like, like, um, like when he, like when he saw the three of them, like heading out of the palace themselves. So there you go. And then you've got the, uh, the, the epilogue, which has the a for supporting cast. Um, it's like, you know, just, I'm receiving the message she recorded. It's like in the final issue of her series and just reflecting on, yeah, on the hey, you know, it's like she might, it's like she might have done some terrible things, but at the same time, she's not a bad person in the end. It's, it's nice. It's appropriately heartwarming. And then you think about the fact that, huh, you know, Spurrier left them all on Hoth. I wonder. <laughs> okay, that's uh, that's good. I think. I mean, so, huh, yeah, it's like she saved them and left them all on Hoth. That's that's great. That's, oh man, that's. It, it makes you think because sure it's like you know like she was doing what she thought was the right thing 
But at the same time, though, she can't, she, and she brought them all together. But at the same time, well, I guess like maybe once the uh, next A for series starts up, we'll find out how many of them actually made it off the planet um, once the Empire Strikes Back happened. So there you go. And the series is continuing because it'll, it's getting an all-new uh, number one, which to be honest, I was kind of surprised because I didn't think that Aphra had been um, setting the uh, sales charts on fire, even with respect to uh, like Star Wars, other Star Wars comics, even though I got to admit that Aphra has been consistently entertaining. And, you know, I think, I think arguably the best like ongoing, it's like, uh, like Star Wars ongoing after, it's like, like after um, Guylan's own um, Darth Vader series. I mean, it's like, I, I mean, yeah, Guylan's, um, own Star Wars run definitely had its moments and I liked, um, like Charles Soule's, um, Vader series, but, um, if, but Aphra's like took, like took the side character and said, and like Katarin, like looking at some of the weirder, um, parts of, of Star Wars, like those parts you're never going to see in a movie or even on Disney plus. It's like, and it's like, and I appreciate Appreciate that, and it was also interesting to see um, Spurrier like you know like interrogate the uh, like the darker, um, more questionable aspects of Aphra's it's like Aphra's character. That was it's like overall, it's like I think he told a good story fe- featuring the character. It's like and um, it's like and I it, even though it's like I am not familiar with the uh, with the creators who are taking over um, Aphra's new title, um, Alyssa Wong as the writer and America Cresta as the artist, it's like, I'll be on board just to see if they can, they can deliver like a take as, as unique as, as unique as inspired as Spurrier's was. So yeah, I definitely recommend this series. In fact, it's like, if you liked, um, Guylan's, uh, Darth Vader series, then yes, you absolutely like should pick up like a, like Dr. Afer as well. It's very, like not only did he write the first year, but, but, th- but Spurrier, but Spurrier is definitely like, like of a, of a kind when it comes to him comparing the two as, as writers, they both got like same kind of ideas and it's like, and even if like, you know, like Spurrier is more interested in like, like in mechanic, it's like in, like in, in like interrogating, like, you know, the problematic stuff and Guylan is, you know, like probably, it's probably like more content to just, you know, like leave leave it out there and just like let it fester. It's like, it's, it's like, it's like they're both, both of them do great work here. It's like, as do all the artists, well, all the artists who, in, who handled a single arc, like on this, it's like in this series. So there you go. I think it's great. Go out, go out and buy it because, hey, it's like, if you like, Star, like I said, you like Darth Vader, it, it was great. Get this one too. Yeah. So John, any thoughts on your end about any of this? No, it sounds pretty clear to me. You want people that you highly recommend it. And, uh, and uh, hey, you know, it sounds like a really good concept. Um, um, and, uh, you know. Ethically um, challenged um, Indiana Jones in, Star- it's like in, in a Star Wars comic. What's yeah. not to love? Exactly, exactly. So, um, all right, what are you going to talk about next time? Okay, well, looking at my uh, to-read shelf, I'm going to see if two different, if two generally all right image series curse words and rumble can add up to one good podcast all right we'll catch you next time on comic picks by the glick all right laters